We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Computer, this is Data. I'm an Android. I'm a basketball. I was processing all of the information. Processing. It's one of those idiots who believe in analytics. Rangers pick basketball. Analytics was crap. Does not compute. Just because you got good stats doesn't mean you're a good team. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the Lakers Exceptionalism Podcast. My name is Tom Z, joined as always by Tim, aka Crangers McBasketball. Tim, we are checking in on the Lakers with the quarter season mark. Lakers are the first team to get to 20 games played. They have been they've been churning here, man. Um, well, before we get into all that, how are you doing today? How was your holiday, man? It was phenomenal. It was really good. We uh, hosted, there were like 14 people in my house uh, for Thanksgiving, which was holy shit. A lot. We had to pull together our dining room table, our kitchen table, and then a third table uh, just to seat everybody. And it was a blast. I really enjoy, you know, hosting, bringing people together. We played a game of, I think it ended up being six on six football afterwards. And and my team won. So I'm very proud of that. Uh, It was interesting seeing like people like women in their 20s trying to trash talk my my father uh, playing two hand touch football. (laughs) <laughs> but we prevailed we prevailed uh i got to beat my nephew 42 to nothing in uh college the college football video game uh, he was talking trash he was talking trash <laughs> and, and i went out and he cried after and we're gonna check in a year from now and see if he's improved well hopefully by that time next year you'll be able to play the new ea college football game but yes know. Shout out to, I'm, I'm kind of on little man's side. You can't just make a guy play a game that's older than him. You know, that's not. Yeah, fair. it is the game I've played most in my life. I, <laughs> every year I will, you know, find a way to update the rosters and I will play that game, which came out in 2014 <laughs> for the, it'll be the game I played the most of any game on any platform that year, every year. Uh, of my forever. life it's yeah forever so hopefully then i'm excited about the next one man like i think the recruiting will be really revamped the gameplay hopefully isn't just like copy and pasting madden but uh that's a whole different thing I'm, if anyone wants to talk yeah, football yeah. Like, we'll <laughs> talk about that in the discord 
Uh, but that's right. You know, happy to talk through my rebuild. I recently took over a team that their their kicker and their puncher had uh, graduated, and that team didn't have any backups or anybody recruited. So I am in a no kick phase of of my coaching, and it's working out that's well bold. so far with uh, UTSA. Bold. Yeah, yeah. No, it's anyway. Basketball. Yeah, we're getting <laughs> derailed already, but we're having a good time. <laughs> no, it's been a couple of weeks since we've checked in, but the holidays and all that make it tough. But we're back here, Tim, to dive in. So the Lakers are 11 and 9 as of right now. They're seventh in the West. And the discourse on Twitter right now, you know, is not great. The whole uh, narrative that the Lakers are only beating bad teams. So let's let's investigate this a little bit more, Tim. Let's. Let's dive into the kinds of wins they've gotten, how many players that they have been missing each night, and give uh, the audience a sense of context for how this season's played out. So the team win percentage so far is a 45-win pace, which I believe would be the under on that. Um, you know, Three of these nine losses are on the second night of the back-to-back, so they've already had three back-to-backs, I believe had several three uh, games in four nights, which they just got off of as well. And so I guess, again, this might all sound like copium or, you know, kind of a, uh, an excuse here, Tim, Uh, we weren't even talking about the injuries yet, but the way the schedule is broken down, they they played some tough games. They played some easy games. They've had a few rough or tough road stints as well. So, I guess before we dive into the nitty gritty, how do you feel about being 11 and nine overall? I don't feel like I I haven't been as happy and as joyful as I would like to be through those 20 games. Like you lost nearly half of them and that pain hurts and that's real. And I am not here to tell anybody that that doesn't matter or, you know, those nine losses weren't really nine losses, but there's a lot we can look at to then say moving forward for the next 80 or 62 games, is it going to continue being like this? And I think that's where we're going to focus our analysis. Like, yeah, we, we lost nine games. Like, that sucks. It was not fun to see there were certain guys injured, certain guys underperforming. The coaching isn't at the, you know, exactly where we'd love it to be. And we'll talk about all of that either on, on this pod or the bonus pie we're about to record after this for, for the, the folks in the discord tier that are subscribed, but the context around those first 20 games, I think it's super, super important. And I want to shout out the free tool that positive residual has out that allowed us to pull a lot of, of these stats comparing the Lakers schedule so far to other teams. And you already mentioned, we played the most games of anybody. Uh, do, do you want to, I, should we get through this list of other fun facts right now? Or do you want to talk about let's that Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. So we got the, the team's win percentage right now. I mentioned is a 45 win pace, right? That would be the fourth seed in the West last season. Granted, uh, the West has taken a step forward. Maybe that was just one season. Previous seasons, that would be the eighth seed, the fifth seed, the eighth seed, the ninth seed, the 10th seed. So, Definitely a range there from 10 to 4. You know, it's it's a big range, but mm-hmm. that's that's how the conferences shake out sometimes. There's winners and losers and tankers and, and competitors. Um, but considering, you know, I think the games they play, the amount of guys that they've been missing, they have five losses, Tim, when they're missing four rotation players. Five losses. And a lot of these losses are against 
good teams that are hard to beat in the first place, like Miami or you know Orlando is looking good, Philadelphia, OKC, mm-hmm. and I, I don't know. We'll, we'll dive more into how many players they've missed each game. We we did a little you know investigation here in in, in how that's played out, but I think Tim, there's the thing that stands out to me is that. It's not as bad as Lakers fans are making it. Like, it just isn't. Yeah. And some of the losses, like when you lose to Houston, when you lose to Orlando, those are really, really bad teams last season. Right. They're not right now. They're not this year. Yeah. And so those losses weren't as hurtful. Just like we also beat each of those teams once, those wins were more meaningful than Lakers fans will will make it. Some Lakers fans will make it out to be. So I think if you actually look at it, and we also did this research and we'll have this in like two minutes – how the team has fared against opponents of various calibers, it's not as concerning as I was expecting it to look going into this uh, research assignment. So at the beginning of the season, we had a whole kind of strength of schedule and we were trying to you know, uh, project some troubles or some difficulties that they might have. And at the beginning of that, the Nuggets were that first game in Denver one of the more difficult strength of schedules. Since then, it's now just the third most difficult game on the Lakers schedule of this season. And the first two are the last two games they've played. Uh, excuse me, not last two, because Detroit was in the middle. But OKC grades out as the toughest game they'll play this season, or have played this season, with Philadelphia right there behind it. Now, they got blown out in both of these games. But OKC... With seven rotation players and a couple rookies, uh, with rest disadvantage, three game and four nights on the road against the youthful OKC team, uh, medium altitude. It's, I think, Tim, going to remain one of the more difficult games of the season for the rest of the season. Yeah, it, toughest game on the schedule before considering the fact that you were missing five rotation players. Like, it is as schedule lossy a schedule loss can be totally still did lose by 23 points that still stunk it still hurt but there are factors there that you know in some ways help excuse that and with everything we're doing today this doesn't completely you know exonerate darvin ham or individual players who aren't playing up to what we hoped to see but it still does matter we can't just ignore it you you can't as long as injuries are an issue and as long as the team has, you know, second most miles traveled in the league so far, the third hardest overall strength of schedule tied for second most back to back games in the league, the wow. most rest disadvantage games in the league, wow. tied for the second fewest rested advantage games in the league wow. and have played the most games like all of that. This schedule as is ignore all of the injury stuff. The schedule so far is about as hard as you can have. And that matters that you can't tell me that doesn't matter. And so that has to be part of your analysis, but it is part of our analysis. And if, if you're analyzing the team, it has to be part of your analysis as well, because you know, that that's reality. You, You play who's in front of you and the Lakers so far have had to play a lot of tough games between the travel, the rest, the altitude and the opponents. And, you know, that, that matters. That's, I just, if you, if anything didn't make sense to you there, go back and listen to all that again. Because what Tim laid out 
is one of the more stark representations of how tough this path has been for the first 20 games. So credit to you. That's, that's super. I didn't know about the miles traveled and the disadvantage nights uh, rest, but that's going to even out, right? They, they make it a point like to try to balance those things out in the schedule. And I don't think they're going to end the season with the, you know, that disadvantage there um, going forward. That said, Tim, help us. One of the narratives going around right now, uh, especially on Twitter and, you know, uh, the articles I'm seeing, the discourse is that the Lakers are only beating bad teams. How how would you answer that or, or reply to that? Because they've beaten Phoenix twice, right? You mentioned Orlando and Houston. While they're not great teams, they're, you know, better than they were expected to be. Um, mm-hmm. And with that said, that probably contributes to them having a tougher start than we thought they would, right? They're having three games against the Rockets in the first six weeks of the season. Um, and they're feisty, right? They, they gave the Lakers trouble last year when they didn't have those vets like Dylan Brooks and Fred Van Vliet. But how would you respond to the, the, the narrative that the Lakers are only beating bad teams? I would say, like, let's look at it. Let's do our homework. And if you stack up all 30 teams in the NBA based on their net rating right now and break them into the, the top 10, the middle 10, and the bottom 10. Against the top 10 teams in the NBA, the Lakers are 5-5. Five and five. They have wins against Orlando, who, if you're not up to speed, is a good team now. And if you're ignoring them, you know, there's less credit you're giving the Lakers that you should be giving. Houston is one of these teams. Phoenix, the team has beaten twice. The Clippers, those are all teams that are top 10 right now in net rating. They have losses to OKC on the second night of a back-to-back, lost to Philly, lost to Orlando, lost to Houston, lost to Denver. You ha- like five and five, if, you, if you're for everything going on with this Lakers team, with the travel bit, the rest disadvantage bit, the injuries piece, being able to hold your own against the, the top 10 teams so far in the league is f- like, that's, that's fine. It's, it's not amazing. It's not as good as we'd love it to be, but you're holding your own against those better, that better chunk of teams. Against the middle 10 teams, the, the Lakers are 0-4. They have losses to Miami, yeah. to Dallas on the second night of a back-to-back, to Sacramento twice, one of, which, one of which was on the second night of a back-to-back. So losses there you don't love. And then against the bottom 10 teams in that rating, and it's really it's the bottom nine because the Lakers are one of those bottom 10, they are undefeated. They're 6-0. They've beaten Cleveland, Utah, Portland, Memphis, and Detroit. And uh, they've beaten Portland twice. So that's how that's how you get to the six wins there. So they're taking care of business. They're not dropping games against bad teams. That's good to see. And then against the top 10 and the middle 10, they're five and nine. But they're five and six if you ignore the second night of back to back games. And so they're they're kind of holding their own against the better and, and middle chunk teams. And that's ignoring the fact that the Lakers have been incredibly injured which is one of the other major elements that when you kind of write it all out and look at the schedule, it's like, Oh shoot. Yeah, this is a big problem. And it's, it's something that I think also plays into the narratives that the Lakers can only beat bad teams. Because when we look at which games the Lakers have been missing players and for this exercise, you and I collected information, we counted rotation players, we, we, we didn't count JHS. We did not Correct. count uh, when Max Christie was just a DNPCD. 
uh, they, that, that didn't count as, you know, missing a guy. We're not counting the two-way guys. We're not counting Max Lewis. None of those guys were part of this. This was like missing Vando counts, missing Vincent counts, missing Rui, AD. Jackson uh, Hayes. Uh, Jackson Hayes. Rui's had two injuries so far this season. <laughs> Vando hasn't played a game. Vincent played just the first couple games of the season. Like you're missing a lot of players. And when we sort all 20 games the Lakers have played so far this season by strength of schedule based on that positive residuals tool, which accounts for the opposing team strength, whether it's a home or away game, the altitude of the game and the rest advantage or disadvantage. The let's see here. So of the top one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Of the top nine hardest games the Lakers have played this season, they have gone only two and seven, which sounds bad. That sounds really bad. In those nine games, they have been missing four or five rotation players in all but three of them. Like four guys, five guys. That is such a big chunk of the rotation. Say that again, sorry. Uh, sorry, I was just repeating four or five rotation players. So I like, don't care how deep you are or how versatile you think your team is. Like that is not. I mean, you mix that in with like, first of all, all these are on the road, which I think is kind of interesting. But yeah, you know, and they they took a while for them to get a road win. It's it's been documented. Uh, I'm not super concerned about that yet, considering all like. All those guys missing. Sorry to interrupt. I just had to like it. It bears repeating. It does bear repeating. No, no. Thank you. Like again, two and seven. But in those nine games, you were missing an average of 3.2 rotation players and you're missing four or five guys in six of the nine games. Then of the 11 easiest games on the schedule, they have won nine of those 11 games and they have been missing four or five rotation players in only one of those games. And it was against the Clippers and they won in overtime. Mm -hmm. So we find ourselves in a situation where in the hardest games of the schedule, the Lakers from an injury standpoint have been the most limited by far. And so we haven't seen this roster be able to like fairly compete in the easy games. They've been more healthy and, and they still haven't been all that healthy. They've still missed you know, two, three guys, they've missed an average of 2.4 rotation players against the easier team, the easier games, I should say, based on all those different factors. And they've been winning most of those games, even down two, three rotation players, many of these games. But like, it's, we're, we're left in a situation where like, I don't know how good this Lakers team is, or they have not been able to show us how good they are because they have not been healthy or anywhere close to healthy against the good teams on the schedule. Other than in the first game against Denver, they had one rotation guy out. That was a super, super hard game against a team with a lot of continuity. You're installing a new offense. The offense, by the way, looking at the scheme was very, very basic. They lost that game and you know, whatever. One of the first games of the year, Sacramento third game of the year, they lost in overtime they, again, were only missing one rotation player with Vanderbilt. This was before the injuries really started, but the scheme still was not built out. In the first, I'd say, like four games of the season, the scheme really wasn't in a great place, and the team went two and two, and that was really the only stretch of the year where they were healthy. 
And then from game five on, they've been missing five rotation players one game, four rotation players in six games, three rotation players in three games, and then in another six games, they've been missing two guys. And when they're missing two rotation players, they're six and one on the season. Missing three rotation players, they're two and one on the season. Missing four or five rotation players, they're two and five. So like, it's weird how like these factors kind of perfectly align and it results in you being able to, through different lenses, say different things about this team, but throwing all the context together, the only conclusion I'm left with is we, you can't say this team can't be good teams because they haven't had a real chance to. Yeah. It's so much good context here, Tim, that, we we say it over and over, but people, I guess, forget the longer it goes on, the you know, the nagging injuries. I mean, one of the times, I mean, LeBron missed a game against Portland. Uh, AD missed the second half, basically, against Miami. That doesn't exactly factor in, but. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I think it's interesting to consider also, Tim, uh, not to do too much, you know, what about this or what if this happens, but Lakers are a Cam Reddish and a Kyrie Irving jump shot away from being 13 and seven. How would you feel if this team was 13 and seven right now? I'd feel phenomenal. Like that's a great record given what the strength of schedule has been and the injuries the team has faced. Granted, they aren't 13 and seven and Mm -hmm. The shot against Miami, it's fine. It's the right play. Cam was in a slump. Just missed the shot. That's the right basketball play. We we called it out there on live. It's fine. You know, it was a good process. The Kyrie one's kind of annoying because, you know, Austin helped down and didn't need to. And I, I don't know. it. That one hurts a little bit because especially it's like multiple games in a row. Dallas has stabbed our heart out and Kyrie at the end. It's just, I don't know. I just think that's funny. Um so, but they're not right. They're eleven and nine. They're not thirteen and seven. They've had a couple bad bounces uh, at the end of games. There, they also had a couple 
close games in those second nights of the back-to-backs that you mentioned. The Sacramento game, the first one um, in overtime. Or sorry, that wasn't a second. That was the second Sacramento game. But they lost a close game in overtime in Sacramento. Um, they lost another one there to Dallas that they, you know, again. So it, it, the ball bounces this way, ball bounces that way. And, you know, they had a couple opportunities to lose the game as well. Like against, uh, what is it, against Houston, <laughs> that game. You know, one point win, very easily could have swung the other way. Mm-hmm. The thing that yeah. stands out to me, Tim, you know, we can dive into this more later in the pod. It was we break down the offense and, and talk about ham and and go over our, our census slash temperature check from the fans. It seems to it does seem like they've improved greatly their scheme, their building, you know, and it's hard for me to have too much like fatalism in November. Yeah, I, I think understanding that there's so many games left in the season is a really important thing to consider right now. The team is seventh in the standings. They are a whole four games out of first place in the West. They are two games out of third place in the West. You can, you're not going to be at championship level game one, game 10, game 20, game 30 of the season. And that's okay. But the team is building. They're getting better. Rome was not built in a day. They're with everything that's gone against them with the schedule and the injuries. They're still just a game or two away from really solid like seeding. And that at the end of the day, at the end of the 82 games, that is what we're looking for. We are looking for good seeding to set yourselves up for a playoff run. And we were looking for the form of the team at that time to resemble a playoff like championship contender. Right now, the seeding bit, you're, you're kind of hanging on and you're in an okay spot. I'm happy with where the team is in the standings, considering everything that we just talked about. They have not taken themselves out of position to compete. This is not a team that is 13th in the West in like 12 games out of first place or something like that. Like As they are continuing to improve, as those underlying measures are continuing to get better, and you have a, a hiccup there, here and there. The Philly game was not a good process game. Right. But as long as the process continues to improve, you're going to get healthy. The schedule does lighten up. We're going to see the team go on a run. We're going to see the team go on a roll. I would expect the first half of this like December schedule, the team gets a, a lot of much easier games. They are going to look like a much better team. And it's like, oh, you know, we're going to see people say, oh, wow, look, they've figured it out. No, the schedule got easier and they're probably much healthier. And that doesn't, you know, like that doesn't take away the validity of those, those wins in those situations. But like these factors that we're talking about are very real factors. If, if this, if like home away didn't matter, it wouldn't be talked about. If injuries didn't matter, they wouldn't be talked about. If rest didn't matter, it wouldn't be a big, talking point in the NBA like these things all matter and so far they've all gone against the Lakers but despite that you're still right where you need to be and you should be healthy probably you know as early as tomorrow pretty healthy and the process I think is has been masked somewhat by these other factors but is in a place that I Tim am pretty happy with and I think we're going you know we'll dig into that on the bonus pod, but don't be surprised if this Lakers offense suddenly starts popping off as soon as they get a couple guys back. Don't, don't be surprised if the Lakers defense 
is putting up really good performances when <laughs> they're not down five rotation players mm-hmm. because they're doing smart things that are there. They're on the film. They are happening, but aren't resulting in the win at the end of the day because the team is dead tired on the road against a really good opponent on the second night of a back-to-back running a seven-man rotation. So I hear you. I, I totally agree with you again. I think we're on the same page as far as our temperature check. And again, we'll get into that later. Uh, but I, for those of you just playing devil's advocate out there saying like, you can take that promise and like kind of shove it. The Lakers are one of the worst three point shooting teams in the league. And you told me, Tim, that they wouldn't be. They were 25th last year and they're 29th in non heave three point shooting right now in the league 34.07 percent and it it boggles the mind as to how delo shot the ball well you know so up and down but overall he's these four plus 40 percent on the season lebron's gotten his three back it seems like austin these guys are all hovering around 40 percent so why is this such a bad three-point shooting team and not only bad infrequently taking threes as well to me is more of an issue and like a longer term red flag so i'm curious how you unpack that narrative and how how you see that three-point shooting is just again waiting for more regression we had a little bit that came through and now we're just you know hoping for more yeah it's we're seeing bounce backs we're we're seeing guys they have ups they have downs right now the shooting hasn't been good and Delo shot well, LeBron shot well, but just about everybody else hasn't. Prince is underperforming, but over the past six games, he's at 40%. Reeves is underperforming. And recently it's been some of his worst shooting. Christie's underperforming. Christian Wood is underperforming. Cam Reddish, he's underperforming despite the fact that he's getting like stupid open, wide open threes. He's still not hitting a lot of them. And is underperforming. Gabe Vincent, when he played, was one for 14, I think is the three-point number for him. Like, none of those guys will be that bad on the full season. These samples, as they get larger, these numbers are going to, like, normalize a little bit more. And we're seeing guys bounce back. Like, D'Lo had a downstretch, he got better. Uh, Prince, he had his downstretch, now he's shooting like he normally does every other year of his career. Like, as... As the sample gets larger, we are going to see the the talent, the shooting talent on this team, like reemerge and be more present. And that is something that I think will result in that number like rising. And I think it's going to take a little bit. Like, I don't expect the team to be first in three point shooting a month from now because they've had such a large sample of not shooting well. So it's going to be a slower rise, but as that happens, you know, the form of the team will be much, much better than those season long numbers. Yeah. I'm not as, like, I think the talent there. Yeah. Sorry. I, I said Austin. I meant Rui. Uh, I misspoke. Oh, there, Rui. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. And Rui didn't, he hasn't shot that well either, has he? No, he, Rui has been around 40%. Oh, you know what? Yeah. So him, D'Lo, and LeBron, I think, are the three guys. Yes. That it's have actually Austin, shot well. Austin is due for some serious regression. I don't think he's a 31% three-point shooter. Um, sorry, I just misspoke. I wanted to say Rui's kept that up. And granted, it's a much smaller sample. He's just gotten two fucking injuries. Jesus Christ. But yeah, I, I, 
I'm still optimistic about Prince. I think he's still not shooting as much as he got a little bit more aggressive there in that Thunder game. Um, he wasn't shy in the preseason, and I liked that. He was shooting the ball well. I, I hear you. I agree with you. I'm trying to play devil's advocate for those out there who are uh, especially concerned about the Lakers' three-point shooting and how almost historically bad they are in the corners <laughs> yeah it's it's gonna get better i don't every we do this every season for anybody that starts slow it's like or even when the team started lo- slow last year remember we were like well we weren't but people were like oh will this be one of the worst three-point shooting teams ever no they've played five games yeah like every time a guy starts the season slow, it's like oh can he not handle the bright lights of los angeles yeah. and then he and then he gets better and then it, we don't talk about it until the next guy does it and then we have the same conversation like this is basketball welcome to high variance shooting where good is you know hitting three and a half for four out of every 10 shots like th- this has happened is happening and will continue to happen and there will be guys in here that right now we're shooting well and then they're going to fall off a little bit for a stretch of time and then they're going to bounce back. And anytime someone doesn't shoot well, it's going to be like, oh, are they too tired? Or is the moment getting too big for them? Or like that stuff just happens. Shooting is shooting. Variance is variance. It's going to go up. It's going to go down. Right now, it's been down for a lot of guys, and it's been worse than their norm. And it will go up. I promise you it will go up. This team is not going to be the 29th ranked three-point shooting team in the league. Now, what is encouraging to me and – I think, you know, we should be very happy with and shouldn't go unnoticed is how successful the Lakers have been this season at getting to and scoring at the rim because the rim is a great place to be. If you're if you're mm-hmm. talking to the numbers guys and asking them what are the best shots in the league, drawing free throws, that's the best thing you could be doing. That That is like number one place to be is the free throw line. And the Lakers are fourth in the NBA in free throw rate offensively and then defensively. They're first, meaning meaning they're limiting free throw attempts for opponents. So check that box. The Lakers are decisively winning the free throw battle. If you look, the next best thing is shots at the rim. Right now, the Lakers rank seventh in rim frequency, and they rank first in rim field goal percentage. That is phenomenal to see. We love to see that. That is a good thing. That is what you want to see. Um defensively if we look at the lakers they are ranking let's see here 11th uh, lowest rim frequency and they're about average in terms of percentage at the rim against them so overall they're still kind of winning at the rim and when we look at like shots at the rim if we look at the nba's dashboard and try to see like what what caliber of uh like how how high quality shots are the team against the Lakers getting at the rim? They're first in the NBA in terms of allowing the hardest shots at the rim. They're they're if you're taking shots against the Lakers, you have the lowest expected field goal percentage according to Second Spectrum wow. against uh, among any of these teams. So that is really good to see, along with the fact that you know they're above average from a frequency standpoint, and then for the quality of threes the lakers are giving up they're 12th so some room for improvement 12th best okay yeah 12th worst 12th lowest right right okay uh so free throws we're doing great 
at the rim, we're doing great on each end of the court. From three, we are massively underperforming so far, and, and we should be able to do better. Uh, and I would expect the team to do better moving forward. And defensively from three, we're in an okay spot. So like a lot of those underlying factors are there and it's just like, all right, well, once the team's healthier and then once we're playing a more, you know, normal schedule, and then once these guys are shooting more normally from three, this team on both ends of the court is going to look like a really good basketball team. So I'm not, I haven't seen anything thus far that makes me say this can't be a championship contender, but I'm seeing, you know, small samples of areas we know are high variants that haven't swung the Lakers way that makes the results look worse. And then those contextual variables that we talked about that certainly haven't gone the Lakers way that make things that have made things worse, but don't look that way for the rest of the season. So I'm curious if you think, cause it's, I don't know how you read this data. Like, in a, in a definitive way, and I'm not saying you, I'm just saying it's it's hard to glean a long-term um, outcome from this data to me because of how many of these guys have missed time, right? How, like, I'm trying to add it up here quickly, and I think it's 51 missed games for the Lakers um, off of that chart that we did, just adding up each game into a raw total. 55. 55. I'm sorry, I missed some. Yeah, 55 missed games. So we haven't seen Vando play at all. We haven't seen Gabe basically play at all. When he did, he shot the ball really poorly. So I totally get the the regression for these individual players. But as a whole team, it's impossible to like really know how their shot diet will break down just yet. You know what I mean? We're mm-hmm. still in the small sample range because of those injuries, right? Yeah. But like, I, I, and, and I agree with you, but let's also, I guess let's game, about, game it out and talk through it. Like, what have the Lakers' biggest issues been? The three-point shooting we talked about, it's going to get better. The Let's talk about the, the perimeter, like, point of attack defense. I think that has been a weakness of the team. And with the guys you're missing, Gabe Vincent's very good at this. He is not a super switchy guy. He's not a wing stopper. He's not going to guard bigs. Against guards, he does a really good job. He's a good defensive playmaker. He stays in front well. He's okay at navigating ball screens. He will be a big upgrade there, and he has not really played. Jared Vanderbilt, when he plays, he's going to be an upgrade there. Cam Reddish has been good at that so far this season. Like three of those guys that you're missing all add value in that regard and have all missed a a good chunk of time. Would you – like – is there any other way to look at that? Like hundred percent. But if they play more, those are three of the less are minus Gabe, like reliable shooters, right? That's fair. Yeah. Like I think Cam and Vando, I'm con- Vando specifically, not a good three point shooter. And if you're expecting him to be, I just, just, I just disagree. Like we can be pleasantly surprised, but if yeah. your expectation is he's going to be good, you're not analyzing this correctly. Right. But yeah, no Cam, we're seeing him get super high quality. He's underperforming it right now. He's underperformed a lot of the games so far this season, but has also had a, a handful of games. He has shot well. So far, it hasn't seemed to be hurtful from a spacing standpoint in a way that has me really concerned about it. But I also think when the team's fully healthy, I don't think Cam Reddish is playing much at all. Right. I think Max Christie, if he starts shooting better from three, He's added good value defensively, and he is one of those guys that could be one of those lower usage offense, two-way sorts of players that can take on some tough matchups defensively. 
you know, is a bigger guy, has some length, can help on the rebounds a bit, and then offensively isn't a problem in a way that Vando or Reddish can be to different extents. But I think that's a fair point that like when Vando's back, it helps us in one of the areas we just talked about and it hurts us in one of the other areas we just talked about. Yeah. And having like a mishmash of different players missing different times, right? Like it, it mucks up to kind of what the hell I think this team is like, mm-hmm. do I think the way they're playing right now is a championship team. Like, fuck no. Like they're a 500 team, you know, but I have no basis for what this team really is because of the 55 missed games. You know what I mean? Because of that number. Um, and and I do think that they are over 500 is a testament to the depth of this team. And the fact that, you know, some Laker fans still expect like a 65% win percentage with, with all these injuries, by the way, only one game missed because of LeBron or AD. Like that's great health from them overall. Mm-hmm. Um, that's probably not going to maintain. I don't think LeBron's playing 80 games or, you know, AD's playing all 82. So there's still future challenges and obstacles to come in the injury department there. But it's it's hard to contextualize this team totally without those pieces. And I yeah. still think still think the ceiling is is Max Christie backup wing. And if there's maybe a little bit more size, you can slide Cam in there because once Max Christie can figure out how to not foul so damn much, make some more of his threes. He's made some nice reads. He's making uh middies pulling up off of a closeout you know what i mean he's mm-hmm. doing he's cutting better lately his point of attack defense on donovan mitchell was fantastic and i think there's a kind of archetype that he maps out to play better than cam like those guys and i think there's the Kawhis and the pgs that we saw cam make a big impact on in the clippers game that lean more toward cam right yeah so having those those they're not a Swiss army knife, but two sides of the same coin is good. Like I, I was yep. encouraged by cam's performance so far this year, I think. And that's going to be my, that was going to be my next point is I agree. Like cam has impressed me. Max Christie. Uh, he, now that he's getting to play a little bit more, he's done a, a pretty good job defensively and there's still things to clean up, but they're each tools in the toolkit that make really good sense in certain situations. And then in other situations, you'd rather go a different direction. And The fact that this team, that this roster was built with depth that allowed for versatility in terms of, oh, we're playing this team, you know, Max, it's your time to shine. We're going to play that team tomorrow. Okay, Cam, it's your time to shine. From a Wood versus Hayes standpoint, you have flexibility. These guys are at their best selves in certain tactical situations that when you're missing four or five rotation players – You do not, you can't do, it's just, okay, well now my guy is, you know, this guy who's really good at A, B, and C is going to have to go do, you know, D, E, and F because he's the only option. Like we're we're seeing lineups that don't make sense that we're not going to see in the future. We are seeing guys put in positions where like, oh, well, in theory, if we're facing a drop defense, we'd rather have this guy in instead of that guy. You can't do that because, because one of the options is injured. And so like fully healthy, this team has the ability to press different buttons and put guys out there in positions to succeed that right now we don't have the luxury of. It is, you know, you are not a fully, not fully formed, but like you are not a well-rounded player 
And yet we still have to ask you to do things you're not good at or put you in situations that don't fit you the best because the other two guys that we would be considering are injured today. And when we get the roster more healthy, you have more challenges from a minute standpoint, but in a good way. And it allows for that ability to be flexible and put out the best version of the Lakers rotation on any given night based on who you're facing. And that's something we just have not had the ability to see yet this year that absolutely should be one of the key strengths of this team. It was a key strength of the Lakers last championship roster, being able to flex the lineups based on the opponent and just the, the scheme versatility and the, the matchup fit hasn't been there in a way that I fully expect to be there as soon as we start getting healthier. Yeah. I mean, you can point to the kinds of, of wins that they've had, but that three players missing benchmark of them being, you know, nine and four with those guys, with, with three guys, three guys seems to be that Mendoza line. Now, of course it depends on which three guys. Um, it was pretty brutal that time when the Lakers had like no bigs and it was like, you know, Jackson was out and, and AD was, was hurting in that Miami game. But we talked a little about our left cons in general uh, on the stream last night against OKC and talking through it, Tim, doing the research today that we did. I, I voted for a two last night. If you're not familiar, left con is our, our take on DEF CON. Five is everything's hunky dory. One is the sky is falling. Um, I, I voted a two because I'm still can have some concerns digging into the, what we've talked about. I, I think a three is where I'm landing today, but okay. Yeah. And that's where I was last night, but it was like a weaker three mm-hmm. and I had felt a lot of these things, but actually having to do the research and concretely be able to, you know, look at them. I, I feel much stronger about my three answer last night. I'm, I'm in that same boat as you. Like we've played 50% of our games missing three, four, or five rotation players. It's crazy. That's crazy. And the three-point shooting will be better. The point of attack defense will be better. That flexibility will be better. The rebounding of this team, which has a lot of people concerned, the offensive rebounding can and should be better. I think there are tactical things the team can do to improve on that. Because you play five out, it does not mean you are punting here. It does absolutely not mean you are punting here. Do you know who the best offensive rebounding team in the NBA is? I wouldn't expect you to, but do, do you know who it is? Is it New York? New York second. That's a really good guess. They're almost yeah. first. Utah Mitchell is Robinson the number Mike's. one team. Who is uh, Utah, the Utah Jazz. They wow. play five out. They And they're big, though. They're like three. is like 6'10", right? They've got big dudes. Yeah, they, they've got size across the board, but they play five out. And they just crash really well. They crash smartly. Right. They crash actively. Right. So much of rebounding success has more to do with it, it. It depends on who's at the rim when the shot when the ball's there. It doesn't sure. matter who's standing at the rim or at the three point line before shots gone up. You can play five out, get the spacing of five out, and then crash purposefully to attack and get extra opportunities on jump shots. And that's what they do. And they're really smart about it. I had a, I, I was talking to yesterday to a scout for another team who was scouting them. And he saw my tweet about the, you know, the Lakers don't have to be this bad at offensive rebounding just because they're a five out team. And, and mm-hmm. he brought up Utah to me and I was like, yeah, you know what? You're right. They are first and they do all these things. Like there are other teams, Golden State's seventh, Denver's 10th, uh, Detroit plays in five out. They're ninth, Atlanta plays in five out. They're third. Like, Phoenix plays in five out. They're fourth. It's not all teams who just 
clog the paint and have dudes standing next to the rim all day. The Lakers can be better at this. And one of the guys who has been really good at it is Rui, and we've missed him a lot. Vando should very much be helping here. He's a guy that crashes because that's kind of his thing. Like offensively, he is adding value through his short role playmaking and through his ability to like get some offensive rebounds because he knows he's not a spacer. So he's always just kind of waiting for the shot to go up to crash. Once those guys get back, they'll help here. On the defensive glass, Tom, we actually ranked ninth best in the NBA, actually tied for seventh best in the NBA in defensive rebounding percentage. So it for for all the the crying and gnashing of teeth about it, it hasn't been that bad. And yet we are still yeah. missing guys like Rui and Vando that will help in this regard. Jackson Hayes out right now. He's not a good rebounder for a big, but he's still a big. Um, like a lot of the Lakers issues so far this season, I see them being able to improve on as soon as they get healthier. And even in some other areas like the pick and roll game, which we're going to talk about, I think on the bonus pod, we're going to save that. Yeah. It has very tangibly improved. And if you knew, I, I'm going to save it for that. But when you hear how good it has been recently and how that stacks up against the rest of the league, you're going to be really happy and you're not going to be concerned about this. And you're going to be able to throw this out in every argument of people being like, oh, the five out pick and roll offense doesn't work. Nope. Here's how good they've been. Uh, stick around for that if you're listening live. And yes. if you are listening to the recording, check out the bonus pod. If you can't get to that, you know, go pay the five bucks a month and get double the podcasts a month from us and a film room and all the other things that you get with, with that super cheap subscription. Cause that is another area that was a concern and is now no longer a concern for me whatsoever. Yeah. Just quickly on the defensive rebounding thing. It's like, that was really loud and really like consistent for a week or two. Right. And mm-hmm. If that kind of thing sticks in people's brains is you don't recognize that it was improved greatly when you're, you know, still losing games or getting blown out. That's not the reason those games got lost, right? That wasn't the reason they lost to yep. Philly. Um, they, they gave up more offensive rebounds to OKC is one of the worst rebounding teams in the league. That was a little concerning, but uh, it's still like context matters. When it's loud, you have to put your earphones on, right? Protect your ears and and feel it out, wait it out, like see that yep. context. So it, it's it's the type of thing where like you are if you're seeing the Lakers have issues with defensive rebounding, it's not that you your eyes are lying to you. It's not that it's not happening in certain games in certain situations. It's that overall that hasn't been an issue every game here and there it's been problematic, but overall it's not as frequent as it might seem when you see people tweeting about it. Every time the other team gets an offensive rebound, they say, Oh, well, we stink at this. It feels like more when it's pointed out to you in that way. It's so much more salient when you look for it or when you are being told this is exactly what's happening. The Lakers over the past 10 games of the season. So they played 20 games over the last 10 games of the year. They've ranked second best in the NBA in their defensive rebounding percentage. I've been tracking the box outs. They have substantially improved over the, over the past like handful of games. They're doing better from a habit standpoint, from a process standpoint, and the results have been substantially better. And that doesn't mean they will always be this good. Maybe they're going to get lazy with the rebounding and the boxing out again, and it's going to fall. But it's currently not 
to me, a big issue with today's Lakers team right now. It was for the Lakers game three, four, five, six, seven of the season. It's not right now. And I don't expect it to be once you add a Vando back, once you add a Rui back. Those guys should only help in this regard. All right, folks, that's going to do it for our public pod. Those of you on playback, stick around. We are going to go right in after we do this outro. Um, That's how we feel, Tim, and we're sticking to it. Um, Quarter of the way through the season, 20 games in, they got to do this three more times. And they put together a great final 20 games, you know, 25 games last season post-trade. I think Lakers fans should feel just fine and not stress themselves day in, day out. (laughs) Yeah, no, we're doing okay. And we're about to go through each individual player and then also the offensive scheme, defensive scheme, and rotations and grade out how we think those have gone and compare that with what, you know, the the votes from the people say. So again, check out the bonus pod. Uh, But big picture, yeah, I, I think this sums up well how things have gone and how we feel about them and where in that we're still concerned and where either things have already gotten better or should get better moving forward. Sounds good. Thanks everybody. Uh, as Tim said, you know, hit us up on, uh, on Twitter with a screenshot that you're subscribed to our YouTube to get in our discord and, you know, get in there. Check out all the extra content we're doing and uh, until next time, we'll talk to y'all later.